Can we just talk to Jesus for a second? Everybody just close your eyes for a minute. Let's talk to Jesus. Can we get the lights back how they were in worship? So, yeah, let's just talk to God for a second. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your love, Father. Thank you for the sacrifice you made. Above all else, we want you today. We want to hear your voice. We want to hear your words, God. Oh, I want Jesus. Oh, I want him. Oh, only Jesus. Take this world and give me him. Oh, I want Jesus. Oh, I want Oh, only Jesus. Take this world and give me him. You are all we want, Jesus, today in this moment. Allow your words to be spoken and not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Welcome to Church on the North Coast this morning. I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you, Uncle Adrian. Thank you, Aunt Mary, for having me. I freaking love this campus. You guys are amazing. I smell that food back there, so I promise I won't keep you too long. I'll, let's get to that, that lunch. But can we have a little bit of Jesus before we get there? Amen. Okay. Amen. Yeah. All right. If you're awake, clap your hands for me this morning. I need some energy. Okay. <laughs> I love it. That song has been on my heart. Did Pastor Dion give you guys that? I, I texted him. No, you guys just got it? Oh, Holy Spirit. Aunt Mary? Oh, same thing. Okay. See? See, she knows. Holy Spirit talks the same to everybody, guys. He speaks, and it's like, oh, yeah. We're all on the same page. I, I sing that over my life every single morning. Probably for the past, like, two weeks I've been doing it. And I wake up, and I sing that song, and it's like, man, God, take this world. Take all this garbage, take all this preoccupied stuff that's in front of me because I don't need it. I just need you. Is that anybody else's heart posture today? Is just like, you know what? Get rid of all this stuff. Get rid of all these distractions. Get rid of all of these friends and relationships and things that we're committed to. Let's get rid of all of this and just have Jesus. Does anybody else feel that way lately? It's like the world is just so full. Amen. Yeah, clap. Talk to me. I want to hear you. The world is just so full, man. The world is so full, and there's so many things that can take our minds and take our hearts away from the only thing that matters. And so today, I want to teach us and preach this message about the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave. And if you know anything about this, it, it covers three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So we're not going to go through all of it, but we're going to start at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave. This is the most important, famous sermon ever preached in the entire Bible. Jesus came and he gave people a tangible way to live and to live through him. Because previously to this, Aunt Mary actually, Pastor Mary, sorry, try not to call her Aunt Mary up here. She's not your guys' aunt, so that's it. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> She referenced it earlier, but before this, people only had the law. 
The people were living by the law. They had to sacrifice. They had to follow rules. If they didn't follow the rules, they were condemned. If they <laughs> broke anything, they were done. They were cut off from God. They had to kill a bunch of animals. It was just craziness, right? But Jesus came in, in this sermon. He broke those walls down. He flipped the idea that you had to follow this law but instead of following the law, because he was the ultimate sacrifice, because he was a pure sacrifice, he prepared these people. He was preparing them to live with the existence of the Holy Spirit. He was saying the Holy Spirit is coming and this is how you pursue righteousness. This is how you live through me. No longer do you have to follow this rule book and take all these steps. Now you have to pursue me and get the righteousness through me, not through the rules, not through the laws. Not through you being good and checking all your religious boxes. It's a relationship. It's the difference between our Catholic people and our born-again Christian believers. We're not checking boxes. We didn't come in this room just to pay our tithes, say our Hail Marys, and walk out and go live the nasty life you were living before you came in. It's different. We believe that we bring heaven on earth each and every day by pursuing a relationship with Jesus. Amen? That's kind of sucks. You're like, oh, man, I thought I was going to be able to come in here and just check my Christian box for the day and then go out and do the same stuff. No, sorry. It's not that kind of message. <laughs> but today we are going to cover the Beatitudes. Everyone say Beatitudes. Beatitudes. And I love this short passage. It's very short, but it's so rich because it embodies how we are blessed. It's, it goes through these blessings that God gives us, and it goes through the posture that we have to take to be blessed. Does everybody in here want to be blessed? Raise your hand if you want to be blessed. Okay, everyone. Nobody in here has their hand down. That's awesome. You all want to be blessed. I'm in a good room. If you didn't all have your hands up, I'd be like, you got to get out of here, especially when the Browns are playing today. We can't have you. <laughs> can't have you bringing it down. We, we want to be blessed. So in this passage in Matthew 5, Jesus tells us the posture that we have to take, the way we have to live, the way we have to pursue these blessings, and it costs something. It's not easy. Just like the rules and the law that the people were living by before this wasn't easy to follow because if you made a mistake, you were doomed, this isn't easy either. But what he says through the Beatitudes, what he's showing us through the Beatitudes is that by doing this, these blessings are not only just attainable, but they're yours for the taking. They're yours. It's your responsibility to take them, and it's your ability to take them. They're sitting right in front of you. You have the ability to do it, and it's not by you following your rules really good. It's by your pursuit of a relationship with him. It's by your pursuit of the knowledge of his character. It's by your pursuit of saying, God, I just want to know you face to face. Jesus, teach me how you act. Teach me what you like. Teach me what to do. And he sells us in each and every one of these. So today we're going to learn about the B attitudes. It actually comes from a Latin word that it sounds like when, has anybody ever pretended they were speaking another language and they just throw like an extra O or an S at the end of a word? <laughs> so it comes from a Latin word. It's beatitudo. It's like Spanish for beatitude. You just add an O. <laughs> Sorry for all my Spanish speakers. Y'all like, get off. <laughs> <laughs> beatitudo and what it means is blessing it just translates to blessing it's being blessed and the first of the beatitudes in Matthew 5 3 is blessed are those are the poor in spirit 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those are the poor. I keep reading wrong. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This has nothing to do with your finances. This has nothing to do with what you have. It has nothing to do with what you've done. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit, the posture that we have to take in this first beatitude is that we are nothing without him. Understanding in your spirit that we are nothing without him is step one to being blessed. Understanding that Jesus, without your sacrifice, we have to live by this crazy law where we need to make sacrifices and follow all these rules. But because you came, because you lived a sinless life, because you went and died on the cross, because you bared the shame, because you bared all of our transgressions, all of our iniquities, because you paid the price already, you were the perfect sacrifice. You are the Savior. And I am not in any atmosphere, universe, galaxy, even close to what you are and what you've done. That's being poor in spirit. Putting your, your crown down. Putting your righteousness down. And saying, without that, without what Jesus did, without, with, without what he is, without this word, I'm nothing. It's an acknowledgement of the reality of our condition, our human condition. Saying, I'm nothing without him. The verse in Romans 3.23, we all know it says, we all, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're nothing without him. Everybody. No matter how many memory verses you memorize, no matter how great you sound singing up here, no matter how nice you are to people, how many times you round up at wherever you shop, you have fallen short. <laughs> you have fallen short of the glory of God. Hey, I can't stand when they do that. How about you guys round up and give to these charities? <laughs> are you crazy? Gas is expensive. <laughs> Do I want to round up? No. Speedway needs to round up and give to the St. Jude's Hospital. <laughs> I'm sorry. Give the <laughs> Let's get back into the message. <laughs> That's just goofiness. That's that virtue stuff. I won't get into that message today. So, <laughs> blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. In four, verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. A lot of times we like to push away being sad, push away being upset, push away feelings of anything that's negative. We're a very happy-driven society. We're a very uh, pleasure-driven society, culture. We want to do things that make us feel good. We shame the things that make us feel bad. We try to get away from anything and everything that could possibly make us feel sad. But the reality is, is that blessed are those who mourn. Why? Because as a Christian, as somebody who knows that Jesus is the Lord of their life, as somebody who acknowledges the fact that he died and rose again and he loves us and cares about us, those times of mourning, those times of sadness are opportunities. They're opportunities for God to wrap his arms around you. For Jesus to say, I love you so much. I love you so much. I see that pain. I know you're hurting. But don't try to run away from that. 
Don't try to numb that with some type of substance. Don't try to distract yourself from that. Go sit in that. And guess what? I'm going to be right there with you. I'm going to be right there with you in that moment to say, guess, I love you so much. So when bad things happen, when sadness occurs, when things don't go right, when things are hurting you, when things are frustrating, get excited. Say, man, this sucks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow, I'm hurt. Like, why are you smiling? Your, your relative just died. Because I know God's going to comfort me. I'm hurting. I'm in pain. I know it's terrible, but this is an opportunity for me to get closer to Jesus. This is an opportunity for say, take this world and give me him. Take this world and give me him. It's not an opportunity for me to go run to that bar. It's not an opportunity for me to go run to that toxic relationship. It's an opportunity for me to sit in his presence and say, take this world. Give me him. I love this verse. Matt actually shared it with me. And I had to put it in here for you. It says, before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. It is in Psalms 139.4. It said, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. Before I even have to say anything, you know. I don't have to sit there and read you a list of everything that just happened. You're watching. I don't have to say a word. All I have to do is acknowledge that you are my Savior. I love this verse, obviously, Romans 8.31. If he is for us, who can be against us? Don't get mad. Don't get upset. Don't go run to something negative that's going to make it worse. Get excited and be happy. Yes, you're in pain, but you have joy. That's a blessing. The people that are walking around in this world that don't have it, those are the people that should be sad. Those are the people that have to worry when bad things happen. But we have the pleasure, we have the joy, we have the blessing of understanding that, man, when bad stuff happens to us, when the world kicks us down, when I'm hurting, man, I got Jesus. Amen? Amen. Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Ooh. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Are you humble? Are you humble? It's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy to be humble. We work hard. We strive for things. We achieve greatness. We achieve awesome stuff. We really put effort in. And when we do that, it puts our heart on a pedestal and it puts our lives on a pedestal sometimes where it makes us prideful. It fills our hearts with pride to say, man, I did that. So I'm that guy. I did that. I bought that house. I got that job. I raised this kid. I achieved this in this field. So I'm the greatest. But it says, blessed are the meek. Blessed are those that are humble. <laughs> in Luke 14, 11, it says, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. So if you exalt yourself... If you put yourself ahead of God, if you put yourself on a pedestal that says, I'm that person, I am the one, I am in control, I'm the greatest, you're going to get humbled. <laughs> Newsflash, you will get humbled. You know, I was, in, I was in Jacksonville a couple weeks ago at my little brother's football game, and 
his quarterback, he's a receiver. His quarterback is like one of the top recruits in the country, four star, five star, whatever. And he's going to LSU. He has a scholarship to LSU full ride. And I was sitting up in the stands with my dad and then the quarterback's dad. And oh my gosh. When I tell you that might have been the most annoying football game. <sighs> Dude, I hope he is this live streamed? Oh, let's go. Okay. <laughs> Man, no phones. <laughs> when I tell you, dude, this guy is the worst. Oh, my gosh. He, oh, it was awful. It was the worst football game I have ever been to. It wasn't even because of what was going on in the field. My brother did great. He scored twice, whatever. He's on scholarship, too. He's great. But, bro, this dad... Every single time his son did anything, I kid you not, he ran out onto the field, he picked the ball up, he walked, anything. His dad was like his commentator. Like every single thing the kid did, he, picked, he caught the ball and threw it. Oh, he threw that ball because he's so great. He's going to LSU. Da, 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 da. Like he just hyped him up the entire time. You see him drinking water down there? He's drinking water like that because he's the best high school player in the entire country. He's going to LSU, so, you know, that's why he drinks that much water. Nobody else drinks that much water because he's the greatest of all time. And this was the whole game. He made a mistake. Oh, these coaches are the worst. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> He should have caught that ball. The line's terrible. He was just the entire game. Dude, I'm like, bruh. I, <laughs> and it was funny because about halfway through the game, I looked at my dad, and my dad is just over there like, you could tell he's been enduring this for seasons. <laughs> and it was crazy because my dad said to me, he was like, you know, this kid that they offered a year and a half ago is severely underperforming. And they're actually trying to find a way to get him off of that scholarship offer that they gave him. Let me tell you something. If you are exalting yourself, if you are prideful, you will be humbled. Do not put yourself in front of God. And that goes for the other way, too. If you're too high on yourself or you're too low on yourself, if you think that your opinion of yourself is greater than the opinion of the creator of the earth... He's going to check you. Amen? You're not the worst. You're not the best. You are what God says you are in this word. Amen? I wish I never went to that game. I'm happy I got to support my brother, but I should have sat somewhere else. That guy. <laughs> in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, it says, Trust. Trust he knows the way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Submit to him. Submit to what he's telling you to do. Don't think that you got it. You don't. You aren't that good. You guys are all beautiful. You're amazing people. I love being in this room. But your opinion, your ways, your thoughts are not greater than his. Amen? All right. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. We see Jesus get tempted before this passage, and the devil you know, tells him to turn some rocks into bread after he's been in the wilderness for 40 days. Anybody in here have ever done a 40-day fast where you didn't eat anything? No? Maybe. Yeah. Okay. God bless you. There are some people who do it. 
That's awesome. But Jesus was tempted, and he, he replied to the devil, and he said, and he quoted actually the Old Testament, which is beautiful, because Jesus is the word made flesh. Everything in this book points to him. Everything in this book is him. And so he quoted the Old Testament. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that falls from God. Every word that falls from the mouth of God. This is our bread. This is what we live by. And we have to stay hungry for this. He's saying, you want to be blessed? You want to be righteous? You want to have these blessings? This is what you have to do. You have to stay hungry for this. Why? Because when we lose our hunger, we get fat. When you lose your hunger, you get fat. That sounds harsh, but it's the truth. Why? Because this is the only thing that can feed us. This right here. This is all. This is the only thing that has the sustenance to feed your spirit. This is the only thing that has the sustenance to feed your emotions, your soul, all of it. This is it. It's not a YouTube pastor. It's not a podcast. It's not a self-help book. This. And all of those things are great. I think they're amazing. They're awesome accessory little appetizers. But this is dinner. This is breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And dessert. All your self-help books, all the self-help books, those are just the little side dishes, right? This is the meat. You have to eat of this. Because we, if we lose our hunger, we get fat. If we lose our hunger, we get fat. Because if we're not searching for this, if we're not filling ourselves with this, if we're not chasing after that, we tell ourselves, oh, we're full. We're good. We got that church thing figured out. We know the Bible says some cool stuff about being nice to people. It says, you know, don't steal anything. Don't kill anything. Don't cheat on your wife. Don't, you know, whatever. It's cool. So I got it all figured out. It's awesome. I'm full. And I lose my hunger. You lose your hunger for what it says each and every day. And because you lose that hunger, you start to crave dessert. You start to crave the dessert of this world that takes your attention away from that. Because you think you got this figured all out, you indulge in this indulgent culture that we have. You indulge in everything else but that. You fill yourself up with the things of this world. And you get to a point where you're so full listening to what everybody says and what everybody thinks and what everybody on online says and what the YouTube preacher or the YouTube leader, and it turns from preachers to spiritual people, from spiritual people to influencers, and now the influencer is your pastor and the influencer is telling you to do yoga and have crystals and read your horoscope in order to find direction. And you become so spiritually fat that when something needs to be heaven brought into the situation you can't even do it and you can't get back to it because that's what you have an appetite for now is making yourself feel good not reading what this word says you get fat you become spiritually lethargic and there's people in your family that are in bondage that need you to pray and need you to bring heaven into the room and you're not able to do it c.s lewis put it beautifully he said appetites grow through indulgence not neglect what are you giving yourself an appetite for? What are you indulging in? Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Or do you think you're full? And if you're full, what are you full of? 
Because if it's not this, I won't say what the world says. You're full of dumb stuff. <laughs> You're full of silliness. Be filled up with this. Be filled up with the word of God. It is the end all be all. This is it. This is what we need. So blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The next one is blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. I love this verse actually in Matthew 7. It says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured unto you. Better be careful with this one. Because if the measure of mercy that you give out is not what you would like to receive in return, there's some adjusting that needs to happen, right? There's some tweaking of some behaviors that needs to take place. Because if you're using like teaspoons of mercy and then you turn around and they're expecting people to use bowls of mercy when it comes to you, there's an imbalance there. There's an imbalance there. We are required, this is what it says, to show mercy in abundance, to give love in abundance. And I know for me, I want to give as much grace and love as possible because when I make a mistake, when I trip down these stairs, I don't want the room to start laughing at me. I want everybody to run and come help me up. Amen? I don't want everybody to be like, oh, there he, oh I'm waiting for him to make a mistake. I'm waiting for him to mess up. I'm waiting for him to slip up. He's always rude. He's always pointing everybody else out. He's always mean to everybody. He doesn't forgive anybody. He treats everyone like crap. He's got a bad attitude, always angry. I'm waiting for him to fall so I can point and laugh. I want the opposite of that. I want people to say, man, he fell. Let me help him. Let me run to him and help him. Oh, he's going through it. I need to go help him. Oh, the world's all pointing to him and saying he said that. And he's horrible and hateful and whatever, whatever. Let me go cover him. Because he's shown mercy. He's shown grace. He's shown love. He's been like Jesus. That's what this world needs. And that's what you need. The mercy that you show is the mercy that you will receive. You have to be able to show mercy. I love the parable in Matthew 18. Jesus tells a story about a king whose servant or somebody who served in his court owed millions of dollars to the king. And he comes in and he says, King, I know I owe you millions of dollars. And the king says, yep, that's right. I'm selling you, your wife, and your kids into slavery. And that's it. You're done. And the servant bows down and says, King, please have mercy on me. Please have mercy. Just don't put my family into slavery. Don't put my family into bondage. I'll work. I'll do whatever it takes to pay you back little by little, no matter how long it takes. If it's my whole life, I'll work. And the king's heart is moved. The king's heart is moved so much, he says, you know what? It's okay. I forgive your debt. Go and be free. And the servant walks out of the court, happy as can be. He just got freed of his debt. And he sees somebody who owes him $1,000. And he goes over to him and chokes him. He says, where's my money at? And the man looks at him and he says, please, 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 let me just pay you back. And he says, no, you're going to jail until my debt is paid back. And he goes, and in the, as the story goes, it he turns around, throws the man in jail, and the king finds out 
that the person that he forgave didn't reciprocate that mercy. And the king takes him and he says, you're going to be tortured now until the end of your days and that debt is paid. But that's us. We're the servant who was forgiven. We're the servant who was given mercy. We're the servant who was bailed out. We're the servant who was sent a perfect son who never sinned, who died for us. We had a debt. He paid it. So what right? What right do we ever have to hold anything over somebody's head? Where do you get the audacity to have the right to hold anything over somebody's head? You were given a free gift. You didn't have to work for it. You didn't have to fight for it. You were born into it. And when you accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you were given it. So we don't have the right. Give mercy in abundance. Have mercy towards others. That is our goal. The next one. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I'm going to take a drink real quick. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Our hearts have to be pure in our pursuit for him. Our hearts have to be pure in our pursuit for him. I love this example of saying, you know, you have to follow your heart. You have to follow what you're feeling. You have to follow that gut feeling. But the Bible warns us against this very clearly. It says it in Jeremiah 17, 9, the greatest book in the Bible. <laughs> it says it. <laughs> it says that the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? It goes on to say, Lord, search my heart and test my mind. That has to be the posture that we take. That has to be the posture that we take every single day, especially in this. God, make my heart pure. Make my intentions pure. I don't want to go off of how I feel. Because a lot of times I feel like punching that dad in the face that was talking about his son at the football game. A lot of times I don't feel like reading my Bible. A lot of times I don't feel like being nice. A lot of times I don't feel like going to church. Search my heart. Test my mind. Make my intentions pure. Make my heart pure. I love this one because it also is just, it points to the free will that God has given us. It points to the free will that God has given us. Because he allowed us to choose. He allowed us to choose to pursue him. He's allowed us to choose whether or not we go to church whether or not we go after his word, whether or not we wake up and read this every single day. He didn't make us robots. He said, go for it. Do what you want to do. Live your life. But if you choose to love me, you will be blessed. If your heart is pure towards me, you will see the kingdom of heaven, not only when you die, but as it says in the Lord's prayer, here on earth as it is in heaven. That's our goal. That's our goal as Christians. Our goal isn't to secure eternal security. Our goal is to bring heaven into earth each and every day that we are here until it's our time to go. That's our goal every single day. Blessed are the peacemakers, 
for they will be called children of God. Whew, blessed are the peacemakers. This is hard. These people be tripping. <laughs> blessed are the peacemakers. It's not easy to be a peacemaker. You know how hard it is to take yourself out of the equation and see what needs to be done to bring heaven into it? Oh, that's the worst. But it's the sign of a truly mature Christian. It's the sign of a truly mature Christian. Because that's God's heart. God's heart is not to divide. God's heart is not to separate. It's not to cause offense. It's not to leave people in pain broken off from each other. God's heart is reconciliation. God's heart is unity. God's heart is love. It's characters of him. It's his characteristics. This verse in Ephesians 2.14, it says, For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. He is our peace. He has destroyed the wall. He has made two groups that hate each other one. And that is our calling. We have to be peacemakers. Even if that person got under your skin, even if they've hurt you, even if they've messed you up, even if they don't deserve it, the same way we didn't deserve love, same way we didn't deserve peace. Don't look for peace in people. When you stop looking for peace in people, you can be a peacemaker. Because you're not going to find it. That person's not going to say sorry. They're not going to see what they did to you. They're not going to see that they hurt you. But guess what? It says it right here in Ephesians. He himself is our peace. That family member who's been hurting my feelings is not my peace. That co-worker who offends you is not your peace. That person on Facebook that always is just posting the dumbest stuff that you just, oh, have to comment on, they are not your peace. He himself is your peace. He himself is your peace. Stop looking for it in other places. And my last one is, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We don't know persecution. Let me just say that. In our country, we do not know persecution. And I... I hate even using this because it's like there's people around the world that are dying for their faith. There's people around the world that are getting limbs chopped off because they profess the name of Jesus. But honestly, in a room like this, in a room in America where we're all in beautiful outfits and air conditioning and all this stuff, is very similar to your mother saying, eat your Brussels sprouts because there's kids all around the world that are starving. And we take that word and we say, yeah, well, I still don't like Brussels sprouts and keep on moving and you don't eat your dinner. And so I don't like to even use persecution as something that we truly face because we don't. Not yet. It's coming, but not yet. You're not there. So let me bring it home for something that's relatable. Persecution in our society, persecution in our culture is the opinions of others. That's our persecution. And it's extremely flimsy. It's extremely embarrassing that that is our persecution, but it is. 
and it controls us. Why? Because we prioritize a lot of things before God. We prioritize a lot of things before God in the name of righteousness, in the name of being self-righteous, in the name of looking good for our neighbors, for our coworkers, for our kids, for our kids' friends, for our kids' friends' parents, for everybody on culture, on Facebook, in our society. We prioritize a lot of things before this. And that's a little convicting, but don't be upset. Change your behavior so that you can be blessed. In Matthew 10.33, it says, But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. We are denying God on earth. Why? Because we're putting things before him. We're putting things in our life. We're prioritizing things because we don't want to look bad to somebody else. We're not willing to have the persecution of somebody's weak opinion come against us. And so we're saying, you know what? I guess I will go to Wine Wednesday where everybody just talks trash and gossips. I guess I will watch this football game instead of reading my word. Actually, you know, I can't go to the women's conference because my kids have a football game on Saturday. Or I can't go to the men's event because I just don't feel like it. Or I don't send my kids to DSM every single Thursday where there's 70 spirit-filled kids and leaders praising God. Because I don't want them to not like me because they don't know anybody, even though every kid there doesn't know anybody until they get there. But I don't want them to not like me, and I don't want them to go tell little Billy that they don't like me, and then I'm the horrible parent, and I'm prioritizing faith, and I'm making my family go to church, and I'm making them know who they are, and I'm making them know that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. I'm not going to submit to this world who tells them there's multiple genders and abortion is okay and that men can be women and women can be men, and we don't have to care about what's going on each and every day. What are you sacrificing? Because of who? Because of what they think? Because of what who thinks? Your kids? Your coworkers? What, what, what is, what is, where is it? If that is your greatest persecution, you are putting yourself and your feelings and your cornball opinions in between what God is trying to do in your life. Who cares? You have to get to the point that says, yes, I do go to church every single Sunday. Yes, my kid's going to DSM. Yes, I'm going to the women's conference. Yes, I'm going to the men's conference. Yes, I give money to this church. Yes, I serve at this church. Yes, I believe every single word that is written in this book. Oh, you don't agree? You don't understand? You think I'm dumb? You think I'm stupid? You have a, a negative opinion towards me? Great. Guess what? I am blessed. This book goes on to say right here in this sermon that you are the salt and life of this world. You are the salt and the light of this earth. You aren't supposed to fit in. They should say you don't make sense. But guess what? When we go through all these blessings, when you mourn, when you're at peace, when you're able to have these things be okay and you have joy through the worst times in life, it shouldn't make sense. How did you get through that and didn't kill yourself? It shouldn't make sense. Why don't you gossip around everybody else and talk bad about everyone else around you? It shouldn't make sense. You shouldn't look like the rest of this world. You shouldn't look like the rest of your neighborhood. Because you are blessed if you are persecuted by them. That's America's persecution. It's cultural opinion. 
And if you can't stand that, you better be, you better be scared. Because if it does get real, you're in trouble. We saw it a couple years ago. Everybody fell in line. You better get ready. If what your kids, friends, parents think about you matters, you're in trouble. If what your girls group that goes out for wine every Wednesday cares about you, what you think about what they say, you better be ready. Because these blessings, these be attitudes, you won't see them. You won't see them. It says, blessed are those who are persecuted. If that's your persecution and you can stand up in the face of it, you will be blessed. But you have to trust him. You have to trust him and understand that he's got you. He's more than enough. He's pointing out all of these things. He's pointing out all of these situations and letting you know that if you take this posture, if you take this posture, if you are poor in spirit, if you mourn and let me comfort you, if you are humble and meek, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, if you're merciful, if you're pure in your pursuit of me, if you are a peacemaker and if you are persecuted, you are blessed. You're blessed. You can look at all those things as negatives and say, I'm blessed. What the world would try to put in your face and tell you is an obstacle it's an opportunity for God to show his glory. It's an opportunity for you to learn the character of Jesus in a new way. It's an opportunity for you to embody what heaven has put you on this earth to be. So today as I close, I just want everybody to stand to your feet. And I just want to pray over us. keep playing that we'll sing that at the end because that's my song but I want to read this final piece of Matthew 5 over you with every eye closed hands raised receive this right now in this moment it says blessed are you when people insult you persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are blessed. You are blessed when you are poor in spirit. You are blessed when you mourn. You are blessed when you are humble. You are blessed when you hunger and thirst for righteousness. You are blessed when you are merciful. You are blessed when you are pure in heart. And you are blessed when you are a peacemaker. And you are blessed when there are those that persecute you because of righteousness. I pray over each and every person in this room, Jesus, that you would fill their hearts with the be attitudes. That you would fill their hearts with the be attitudes. That they will have conviction so strong of who you are and who you've been and what you can do 
that the weak opinion of this world, the weak spirit of this world will have no space in their heart or in their mind. In Jesus' name, I pray that the weak opinion of this world and the weak spirit of this world that compares nothing to you has no place in the hearts and minds of the people in this room. Greater is you that is in us, God, than he that is in the world, Father. We thank you that you are with us. We thank you that you are empowering us. I thank you that each and every person in this room will walk out of here differently, that they will be walking in confidence, that they will be walking in strength, that they won't worry about what the world world looks like. They will be able to see and say, I am meek, God. I am humbling myself before you, Father. You sit on the throne of my life. You sit on the throne of my heart. Make my path straight, God. You are all powerful. You are all knowing. You have the wisdom, Father. Fill me with your words. Fill me with your guidance, Lord. I am poor in spirit. I am nothing without you. It is my human condition, God, that I have nothing without you. No matter what I have achieved, no matter where I've been, no matter what I have, God, I am nothing without your spirit, Jesus. I thank you for what you have done for me. I thank you that you have died for me. I thank you that you have lived on this earth a pure life that is unattainable for anybody else in this world and that you died willingly, that you paid a price, God. In Jesus' name, we step into that. We step into alignment of what you are saying, God. We step into alignment of this word. We hunger and thirst after this word. We're done eating the garbage. We're done eating dessert. Jesus, fill our hearts each and every day with the words of God. Fill our hearts every day with the word of God. Help me to neglect the opinions of this world. Take this world and give me him. our heart's posture today, God. Fill us with the Beatitudes, Lord, so we can be blessed. We want to find blessing through you. We want to find blessing through your sacrifice and what you've done for us. And help us to be closer to you each and every day. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen.
thank you guys for having me today. Remember to live right, love everybody, and pray hard. Can't wait to see you again.